Chapter 87 of The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900 or The Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter 87 the trial by court-martial of Dr. Juno. After the orthodox conspirators had lost nearly one-half of their men in that dreadful battle just fought, they were very blue, although then their army was safely inside of their strong fortifications, until the news came that Dr. Juno had been shot and was their prisoner in one of their hospitals. No one knew him until he had been carried amongst other prisoners to a hospital, and then not until the surgeon had dressed his gunshot wounds, of which he had twenty, no one fatal, when one of the nurses recognized him, who at once went to the physician and said, "'Dr. Johnson, do you know that the man who has had twenty wounds, neither of which you said was dangerous, is Dr. Juno?' "'You are crazy,' ejaculated the doctor, and stared at the nurse as if he would devour him. "'No, sir,' emphatically exclaimed the nurse. I am not crazy, but I am telling you the truth, for I know the doctor well." "'Pshaw!' interposed the doctor. He was a private soldier, dressed in the commonest manner. He may resemble Juno, but never was it he." "'If it is not he, you may shoot me,' exclaimed the nurse, very much agitated. "'For I have spoken with him, and I know his voice as well as my own, and it is not likely that I am deceived in his voice and personal identity please come with me and see for yourself." "'I don't know him if I should fall over him,' said the physician angrily. Therefore my going to see him would not benefit anything." "'We will ask him whether it is not he,' interposed the nurse. "'Fool! Do you think he would be big enough an idiot to tell the truth?' ejaculated he. "'For if Juno was dressed in a private soldier's disguise, he will not acknowledge that it was he were we all to ask him knowing that such an acknowledgment would prove his instant death. "'Yes, he would,' exclaimed the nurse. "'I know him too well. He is no coward nor dissembler. Do please come and let us ask him. You know the reward that is offered for his capture. We may be entitled to it by this move.' "'Sure enough,' said he. "'I will go with you.' They hurried to the bedside of Dr. Juno who was sleeping as serenely as if he had never seen a care or had a trouble, when the physician said to the nurse, whilst they both gazed upon his manly face, "'Tom, this man has an uncommon face, and he sleeps as if he were in perfect health and enjoyed a happy life. I hate to wake him, because he is recuperating like magic under the influence of such a sleep.' "'Never mind all that,' said the nurse. "'He will soon sleep again.' "'That may be so.' exclaimed he. Here it goes. And he touched his shoulder and said, "'Dr. Juno, is that you?' "'Yes, sir,' ejaculated Dr. Juno. "'What do you want?' This almost paralyzed the physician, when he asked again, seeing that the man was now fully awake. "'Sir, I wish to know if you are Dr. Victor Juno.' "'I am,' very calmly said he. "'Do you know where you are, Dr. Juno?' continued the physician, still doubting. "'Of course I do,' said he, and turning slightly in his couch, continued. "'I am in my enemy's hospital. Now please, let me sleep. 
and when I am better I will gladly speak with you." The two inquirers of the name of their patient now left the room together, and after they were beyond Dr. Juno's hearing the physician said to the nurse, "'Tom, this man astonishes me. I am favorably disappointed with him. I always thought that he was an ugly-tempered and rascally old fellow, without sense or conscience. But such a head as this man has shows talent and good qualities. I did not notice him when I dressed his wounds, or I would have seen by half a glance that noble countenance. I love and respect him." "'Is it possible that you are so violently taken with the man who has caused this most unjust and cruel war? And then think how he shoots our soldiers when they are taken prisoners. I want to see him shot in return for his uncivilized and barbarous conduct,' said Tom. "'I do not wish to see him shot. He is too noble a looking man to execute in that style. Have you read his masterly proclamation and army orders? They are sound in doctrine, and, if carried out, will soon end the war and prove a real charity,' exclaimed the physician of the hospital. "'I shall at once repair to the office of General Orthod and report what I have learned,' said Tom. When the officers of the conspirators had learned that Dr. Juno was their prisoner, they at once convened a special court-martial, and in a few days, when he was able to sit up, they tried him. The day of trial and other particulars were published to the world in all the orthodox newspapers, in staring headlines. The orthodox people and army and navy were in high glee over this sudden downfall of the naturalists, for they were certain, if Juno was no more, the war would instantly close on their own terms. In this they were very, very much mistaken, as this state of affairs caused an opposite effect. They, at any rate, considered that the naturalists were well-nigh exhausted, and as soon as they found that their leader was taken prisoner they would yield and sue for peace. From these conclusions they considered that they would make haste slowly, they would recruit their army, and after disposing of Dr. Juno would offer terms of peace. They found the celebrated prisoner recovering so rapidly that they thought if they would not give him his trial and execute the sentence quickly, he might escape from their clutches. The leading members of the court-martial agreed to visit Dr. Juno in the hospital, and ascertain from him if he was able to appear at court. Some of them thought that he would feign to be worse than he was, to cause a postponement of the trial. General Orthod asked him, "'Dr. Juno, we have convened a special court-martial to try you, and I wish to know if you think you are well enough to attend court to-morrow.' "'Well, sir,' said he, I have considerable pain in several of the wounds, but I am strong and very well at heart. Therefore I shall be delighted to appear at this special court which you have had the kindness to convene for my benefit." "'All right, sir,' responded General Orthod, and added, "'Can we serve you in any way?' "'No, sir, I kindly thank you. I have all I need, and he who wants more in time of cruel war is no Christian,' responded Dr. Juno. These remarks were very bold, decidedly cool, and to some of them seemed sarcastic. They caused the officers to discuss Dr. Juno's sang-froid with deep anxiety. In sooth, they felt more fear and concern about the easy manners of the prisoner than the latter did himself of the trial and its results, which was a stickler. The following conversation took place concerning the matter. General Orthod, please tell us. What do you think of the self-composed and easy manner and monstrously cool language of our prisoner, 
asked a colonel. "'Indeed, indeed! I am more puzzled than I have ever been in my whole life,' responded the general, with a sigh, and remaining silent, stared, as it were, upon vacancy, which was an uncommon thing for him to do, and which caused the rest to feel very superstitious about the matter. After exchanging several other remarks, they parted to meet in their courtroom the following day, at ten o'clock in the morning, to try Juno. End of chapter 87